How's it going? It's going well. How's your Sunday morning? Uh, pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. Slept in a bit, and as did yeah. I. I don't know why. Maybe just because it's just like a cloudier day, <laughs> but it feels gloomy. Yeah, we like. I don't know. Usually sleep with the blinds open mostly, so I wake up early-ish but we like close the blinds and it kind of like tricks the brain a bit ah yeah that's true did you get outside <laughs> yesterday it was pretty nice out yeah we went for a little walk with gramps and and gabby and uh we just strolled around the neighborhood it was like super nice out yeah it was it was i don't know if it was quite busy where you were i, I walked to go to go grab a new bike and it was just like felt like a lot of people out it was hard to it's tricky to distance for sure. Yeah. How does one bike shop in this like social? Well, I didn't. Thing? I um I bought the bike online earlier in the week. So basically it was just like bike stores are open because they're an essential service because transportation. Um mm -hmm. so it was actually pretty easy. Uh, and they were pretty they were quite good about social distancing. So nobody's even allowed inside the shop at all. Mm -hmm. Um so they just brought it out to me on the sidewalk and then they were like, Here's tools if you need to fix things. Bye. like that was it um <laughs> yeah. but they, they like it, it, it's a new bike and they tuned it all up so it's just like adjust the seat and go and that was pretty easy yeah for sure it looked pretty sweet i saw a picture of it on the gram yeah, i'm pretty excited about it um you came with me to get my first bike in toronto it was unfortunately stolen due to my improper locking skills and heartbreaking heartbreaking, <laughs> heartbreaking yes um but yeah, I, I really wanted to make sure that I had another one this summer. Also, just because I really don't like taking transit to work. It's not fun. It's hot and squishy and I rather just bike. So um, and after 192 rides, it will pay itself off transit wise. So I've started my tally. <laughs> not that you're counting. <laughs> Except you ex totally. Are. <laughs> yeah, but my last tally, I didn't make it to the end because of the theft. So we've restarted with a new tally. It's funny because I remember doing that same tally when I bought my first like nice bike in Toronto. And I was yeah. like, you know what? This will pay for itself if I use it all the time. And I, this was when I was working at Free the Children with you. And I don't know if you remember, but I biked like right through the winter. Yeah. And, um, and it did indeed pay for itself. And then come spring, like a few days into spring, uh, my bike got stolen. It was, oh my it was locked up and everything, but I was like, well, at least it paid for itself, but it would have been nice to like have it still. Yeah. Like to, <laughs> to like start profiting off of it in a sense, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. like get past that break even point. That's what I'm really gunning for this year. Break pat, but I'm going to have to bike a lot, but that's fine. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. We should go for, I was saying a social distance bike ride and just, you know, keep distance apart. I don't know if that's allowed. Is that allowed? I don't know. I'm so nervous about getting a ticket because there's so much money. And then imagine what my break even is going to look like. We'll just, you know, <laughs> like you go left, I'll go right. And then, you know, yeah, I'm sure we, both. I'm sure we could figure it out. I like, yeah, <laughs> I, I know we're both trying to be really good about not seeing people, but yeah, maybe if we could keep like a reasonable distance, that makes sense. Yeah, like we'll just like walkie talkie through our, our phones or <laughs> Bluetooth Perfect. headphones. And yeah. Uh, anyways, I haven't I really spoken to you at all this week. So how are things going? What's new? Um, yeah, things are going well. Uh, a lot has been progressing on this um, new venture that I've been working on, the mm -hmm. Beer Finder site. So 
I can start getting into those updates if you want. Or Yeah, uh, for sure. I'm very curious to hear more. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so basically, we after when we last talked, I had just launched and uh, I, I was actually listening to last week's podcast this morning because I, I forgot where we were at in that mm-hmm. time frame because everything's been such a whirlwind. But um, we basically, after last week, had set a goal to like reach you know, 10,000 visitors on the site by the end of the month and get 100 email subscribers and have um, 100 breweries as well on the list. And so we completed two of those three goals this week um, in that we got... Um, we hit 10,000 subscribers like a couple days or uh, 10,000 visitors the other day, um, which was really crazy. Um, really wild that we just, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Um, basically we did almost a second launch where we just started once we got a hundred breweries on the list, which was the second goal that we reached. Um, we, you know, started plugging away in all these Facebook groups and subreddits again, kind of doubling down on what we had originally done. Mm-hmm. Um, except this time more in like municipal subreddits and larger scope. We were like, okay, well, if it worked in in these ones, maybe it will also be of interest in, you know, R slash Toronto, R slash London, Ontario. And like, and yeah, it was, it was such a wild day. We, you know, I posted those in the morning and then it climbed to the top of each of those to four municipal subreddits by, wow. you know, midday. And, and we just had like a whole ton of interest from that. Um, so that was, yeah, that was super cool. It got 5,100 people on the site that day, um, poking around and talking about it. And we had some interest from media starting to reach out to us and things like that. Cool. Yeah. Um, so we still have one more goal to reach out of those initial ones, uh, which is the emails. And I have already started digging into w- that and how we can like kind of improve the conversion, I guess you would call it, of people coming onto the site. Like right now, the only things that people can do on the site is like filter the breweries, click through, and you know that's kind of a you know, one metric that we're definitely uh, following. And then the other is like how many people are signing up so that we can have like a, you know, ongoing conversation with them. Mm -hmm. And like, um, and so, yeah, uh, some really interesting stuff. Actually, Um, I was just plugging away at the numbers earlier. Um, Previously, I had this little sign up button at the bottom of the page, just sat there. And I noticed, yeah, we had probably a hundred and something people who like clicked it, but then it went through to this like ugly sign up form, which was just like the default from uh, SendGrid, uh, and it was not mobile responsive. It was just this very ugly kind of thing, and it and yeah, it totally relied on people like clicking on it um, to to even get there. And I noticed mm-hmm. that yeah, so 150 people would click it, but then only like half of those people would actually sign up. Um, and then I worked over the weekend or mostly on Friday, I guess, to see how I can test out doing like more of a email, like an on-site registration, um, so that we actually show the email input on the website and, uh, testing out a pop-up, which I, as a (laughs) developer hate, but, um, 
man, it's so much more effective. I was crunching the numbers on this earlier. Yeah. And yeah, let's see. So we had, oh, no, I lost them. One second. No worries. Okay. So I got the numbers here. Um, yeah. On Basically, on the day that we had 5,100 visitors or 5,200 visitors, um, we had 11 email subscribers. And that was before we did this conversion to the kind of pop-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just yesterday, I launched the other one. Um, and we only had 486 visitors and we had 13 subscribers. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a so huge difference. We went, you know, from 0.2% of people converting to 2.67% of yeah. people who come on the site, like end up giving an email address. So I got to hand it to the marketing teams. Like I got to, you know, <laughs> give y'all an apology. <laughs> uh, I, hate use, I hate using the word y'all, by the way. I don't know why I just said that. But, but um, yeah, anyway, I got, I, you know, can't believe how much of a difference it made. I also wanted to make, be very um, careful about how I did this. And so instead of just a pop-up that comes right when you visit the site, which is like, I hate that experience. You're like hey, you want to subscribe to our thing? It's like, I don't even know what the thing is yet. Let yeah, me like yeah. poke around and stuff. I really wanted to get a specific experience. And so that's why I tried a few different things of like these like pre-made ones from MailChimp and stuff that like you just drop in. But it was like the only options were like show right away or show after 20 seconds. And I was like, I don't know, 20 seconds. They might just be like selecting their location and then this thing pops up. Like it's not not going to be a great experience. And so I ended up making it. So you have to do, I think three searches um, or three interactions, like a search or like clicking around these filters. And then after three searches, it waits four or five seconds so that you're probably browsing at that point. And then it will pop up to show that you've probably had some value already shown to you by like seeing two searches previous to that and then it pops up and so it at least gives them a chance to say like you know what i appreciate like this um or like this is something i want to stay in the loop on and so yeah um that's really cool i don't know if i've ever really interacted with something like that before i'm really curious to test it out um after this call and just click around and, and see what it feels like yeah and then also worth noting is like as if someone there's a lot of complexity in building one of these things out really which was fun <laughs> but like um so just making it so that when you click close that it's it won't reopen the next time you visit from the same browser um and making sure that so we won't show the pop-up again and then same if you've already subscribed we don't want to show you the pop-up every time like assuming so we just kind of put a local storage item to say like yeah they've subscribed um and so that prevents it from being extremely annoying which you know sometimes you'll find like coming back to a site all the time you click close and then this thing pops up every time there's no way you're going to keep revisiting so yeah i feel like the worst sites are recipe sites like i just want to know how to make this cookie and i can't even get to like just especially on mobile where basically there will be three ads taking up the entirety of your screen and overlapping is generally the experience i know i really 
think there's an opportunity there for just like uh, give me the recipe, you know, like paid plugin or something that like people just like strip out all the the junk and yeah. it's just like here's a recipe and you're like wow that would be that would it's be interesting because a lot of sites have this like jump to recipe type link but still the like when I mean, the ads are in your way first and foremost so you can get past that whole bloggy type section but you gotta still see the ads yeah and i understand why they do all that because like the longer format content gets you ranked in seo better and yeah like, that's why it's the top search result but yes, man, it's so annoying. I agree with you. And I also think that they never design. Most people do not design with mobile in mind. They are like looking on a, you know, 4k screen and they're like, Oh, yeah, we can put an ad there, there, there and there. And then when and it it's all so collapses, tiny. <laughs> it's just yeah. like ridiculous. So. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Okay. So I do have some more items here. Um, also had a call with a brewery. I used to uh, live in a building where a brewery uh, moved in downstairs. And so we had a pretty good connection with them. They're Reinhardt Brewing here in, in Toronto. And I wanted to get on like the customer development type of call as early as I could to start mm-hmm. like figuring out what this could mean. And it was so helpful to just like chat with someone who runs a business in exactly the market that we would basically be asking like are you willing to like pay like how can we monetize this and let's have a conversation around that and i came at it from the the mom test angle of like trying to ask uh questions that they can't really um lie to you in an answer about so kind of giving validation that um for anyone who doesn't know just look up the mom test it's a a way of asking questions to potential customers to prove your idea or disprove your idea often the case um and it came out with some interesting stuff about just willingness to split revenues um definitely it sounded like the you know at least from one customer yeah they'd be down to find a way to split the revenue but like how do you do that in a way that is not like a nightmare for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it also confirmed, basically we wanted to see like what percentage can we expect. And so it looked like we might be in the 10 to 20% range. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then also I wanted to check, are the margins right now better than what you're seeing from like working with the LCBO? Um, like, is it, does it actually make a lot more sense to, um, to go direct. Also, I, I didn't come up with all these. Dan has been helping me a lot with um, with all this. And so he came up with a chunk of these questions. So cool. Um, um, and so, yeah, it is in fact the case that, you know, margins are better going directly and it is more work, but it's definitely a lot more um, like, I don't know, the, it's worth the extra work to be um, shipping direct to consumers. And I, we also wanted to just see if people were actually selling more beer or if this was a situation where it was just a complete shift. We've noticed a lot of people running out of inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, but one, you know, most of these companies, most of these breweries are used to s- selling huge kegs to restaurants. And so this is like, maybe, it, maybe it looks like they're selling a, a whole lot of beer, but really they're just not able to keep up with like, cans as much and so it's actually just kind of this like um change in the supply chain that makes it so that everyone's running out um 
kind of like what happened with the toilet paper industry you know like it was there was all this toilet paper sitting around in factories that was you know those giant rolls for businesses yeah you know um but they were not just ready to go and like you can't just shift to market and go direct to consumer it's a really big change yeah totally Uh, so they uh, they are at least in uh in reinhardt's case you know they are um selling more is that what you're saying they're like selling significant amounts uh, doing this. Like he was saying, they're having trouble keeping up. I don't think I'm saying anything here that is like confidential and that they're, you know, you can see on their website, they're selling out a beer and yeah, it has been a good experience overall. I don't think every brewery is in that case though, or in mm-hmm. that situation. So it's worth exploring with like other, other breweries as well. Awesome. Um, and yeah, it also drew attention to, a big screw up that I did or I wouldn't say it's a screw up. It's actually like a good practice when you're making a website to put this when you're making a link through to another website that you put uh, this tag on it. That's like no opener, no refer. Yeah. And that will make sure that you don't like have this issue, the security issue of like hijacking uh, like user data and stuff that comes through when you, go to the next site and yep. gen- generally you should put that on especially if you don't trust the next site that you're handing off you know handing off to mm-hmm. the problem is it when they check in their analytics um, they don't see they just see direct you know uh, like yeah, as yeah. though people came to your website directly so anytime if you're looking in your analytics and you see a bunch of direct like most people are not just typing in like www.yourwebsite.com. They're actually just getting that filtered out because it's the best practice. And, um, and that has kind of shot me in the foot here because really, you know, even on the call, I was like, yeah, like we've sent you this many clicks this week. Um, and then he's like, Oh, I'm not seeing in the analytics. And I was like, Oh, it's because we, you know, do this. And so I ended up, I looked into that security issue and it's like, really, if you have like user accounts, then maybe you have to worry. So I took it off for the time being. And now we're going to start showing that we're actually sending traffic to people. The way that most affiliate programs, for example, would work is putting a separate ID in the URL um, so that it can track by other means. So I might look at doing that eventually if we continue with this. But yeah, I think that makes sense. It's such a shame because we had these huge days and showing to them like may first of all, even if we didn't talk to them, um, they're going to go and check their analytics and see like, who is this that's sending all this traffic to our site mm-hmm. would have been really great for us. Um, but Hey, you know, you learn these lessons. We learned it pretty early and it, you know, you just got to move on. It's kind of like the email lesson. Like we could have had way higher conversion, but like at least we caught it after week one. So, yeah, it sounds like you're learning quickly. And I think, um, you know, you, you do have the analytics on your side to back up a conversation and, and, and be able to easily explain why people aren't seeing that for the meantime. And then hopefully over the next couple of weeks, um, while obviously it's not going to be to the same level that you were hoping they would see it on their side, it will, it will build up. And, and, and in the long run, even medium term, this will hopefully feel insignificant. Yeah, exactly. Like it, realistically, if this is going to have, a ongoing impact like then 5,000 people or like 10,000 people that we've had 
it, it needs to be a lot more than that ongoing. Yeah. And so yeah. uh, that should be small peanuts. But it does feel like, you know, it's kind of like that first impression uh, sort of thing where it's like you only get one chance to make a first impression. And we kind of like went out with a launch of this. And, you know, so there is an element to I think it could have been uh, helpful to not do that. So hopefully I'm like say, helping somebody by, by sharing yeah. this. Um, I think that, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Hopefully it, I never even, I never thought about it, but as soon as you started explaining, I realized the issue, you know, and I think it's the same way that anyone who's, who's dealt with even like a very basic level of this before would be like, Oh yeah. That like, but I think because maybe both of us don't have a super depth of experience on like the, the marketing side and you know, how, then like you don't think about those things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, especially, I mean, I used to work. As I was going to say, I know you do have a background in marketing, but, but things have changed a lot yeah. in the past five years. Like uh, it's definitely, I don't know. It's, it's a different landscape that we're in right now. And so I, I am playing with like my 2015 marketing brain in a 2020 landscape. And I even like just one point I was like, I've been asking my friends and network to like help me out with stuff. And got a great connection through my friend Cassandra who I, I started basically we're looking for to um, stoke the fire while it's hot here and hire a publicity like a PR person to help push this out even further in the coming week um, mm -hmm. to see if we can get some more attention from kind of the general media because we've seen that it's got this general reach um, and so um, and so my friend Cassandra has like posted in a couple groups and she's hooked me up with a couple really great um like publicity professionals and people in the beer industry so that's been super helpful and then also i was just sharing her with her because she works in in content marketing i shared with her the email uh sign up form that i had drafted she's like yeah it's a bit dated like why don't you have something a little more conversational and it's more like uh 2020 style to have like or even like um, a lot of people, what would probably be better is if you have a chat bubble on your site, yeah. then you can actually convert emails through that. And it's a lot more oh. conversational that way. And it doesn't feel so much like a give me your email address. But um, yeah, I think the wording there and the way that you approach these things is is very important. Yeah, it's it's super interesting. And it's, it's I guess, a realm that I, I don't spend too much time thinking about, but it's super interesting to see you digging into it and learning as you go, for sure. It's definitely, you know, if if you're going to run your own online business, you're going to end up running into some hurdles like this. Maybe this is pretty specific because like it is a, almost a full-on marketing play, this website, rather than like being, I don't know, product-driven, like app-driven, you know, B2B. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, it's... But that said, it's, it's interesting. Like, it, it, I kind of have to just enjoy the research part of this and finding out where these holes are, like finding out why we're not getting as many recurring visits or why we're not getting email signups and like solving those problems as though I'm solving a coding problem. And I think that's been what keeps me excited about it is just taking that same approach to um, how I would approach coding um, and kind of like bringing that, yeah, very analytical, logical approach to it in like how can we... Um, 
not rely so much on on luck and really put ourselves in the best situation that we can. Um, aside from that, I yeah just wanted to touch on like overall, there's been so many ups and downs in my emotions throughout this whole thing uh, of just like you know the day before we did the second launch kind of thing, I was like I don't know this might not work again and then it worked and then I was like on top of the moon you know just like yeah. replying to all these people on reddit all day and just like you know being in it and then you see like the traffic like cuts in half and then cuts in half again the next day and you're like you know on this kind of like oh man this is like fleeting like it's just like we have a hole in our a bucket and like people are coming in and going out the other side so it's it's this kind of like concern of like basically is can we make any of this last and is so yeah just between getting return traffic return visitors and people coming back to actually use this on an ongoing basis um now and after the pandemic because who knows maybe Mm -hmm. nobody needs to order beer or like they don't get super accustomed to this new way of doing it i'm not sure so it's kind of like you can only deal with what information we have in front of us there. Um, yeah. And that's out of my control. Um, it's interesting because, um, because I feel you lack the data on understanding what's like, what are the reorder patterns of different segments of the population? You also don't have a, something great to benchmark against in terms of how often should I be expecting people to be return visitors? Right. And, and you have to remember it's, I think what, like, end of week two some people like we've ordered beer once and we ordered a whole ton of it we probably don't need to order beer again for another two weeks right at which point i will definitely visit your site again um but i I know some people might order once a week or twice a week but i don't know what that breakdown is um it would be interesting if there was a way to start gathering that information but i don't know exactly where or how but just just a thought and then the second thing is Interestingly, based on conversations that I've had with people just generally around behavior shifts during um, isolation and what things will stick and what things won't afterwards, I've heard a few people say like, I will definitely continue ordering from breweries. So I think like as like a standout, their own statement, no influence from me. So I think that's like an interesting, uh, yeah, an interesting thing that came up. Yeah, I think that and grocery orders, like people are realizing that benefit here of like not having to go and like you know just like make make this happen themselves like it it, it can be a lot of work like the value is there um but it's still yeah it doesn't necessarily mean everyone's gonna feel that way um and so what number what percentage is it that we're gonna see um yeah so it's basically just trying to figure out like yeah getting return visitors and then also like what is the monetization play if there is any here is it like i don't know that's been like keeping me up it's like it just seems very difficult to slot in i don't even know there's so much like legal gray area too of just like booze like we're in one of the hardest markets here in ontario liquor because like it's such a regulated place um one of the hardest ones in Canada and mm-hmm. I don't know about uh, anywhere else, but like, you know, it's a lot more lax in different places. So there's actually opportunity from what I'm seeing people say to like repeat this outside of Ontario and do like 
wider Canada, but also someone has reached out like we would love something like this in the States. And so if it can be a repeatable um, pattern there, then it might um, might actually be worth doing if it's, um, you know, maybe the number of ads that you or the revenue from ads doesn't make sense if you're just Ontario with like X thousand people a a week or whatever a month. Um, But if you go to North America, then that that can be I don't know, a, a huge increase in traffic. Yeah. So, and I think the interesting thing, there's, there's probably something to be said about starting in one of the harder and more regulated markets. I think certain roadblocks will become apparent at some point soon. And as you explore other markets where you see those roadblocks repeated might be a warning sign and where you see the lack of them might be obvious places where things will be easier for you. I'm sure there will be like new issues and roadblocks in, in different markets, but I think that, um, operating in the most heavily regulated one, if you can make that work, then then hopefully um, it might be easier to transition into into ones that are less so. Yeah, I've had that same thought. I I kind of like that challenge. It's like if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, kind of thing. So um, yeah, go after the hard parts first. It's kind of like that eat that frog mentality of just like do, which is do the biggest chunk of work that you have on your plate first, and then mm-hmm. do the easy stuff. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's sorry, another long update for me, but that's that's pretty much it right now. No, that's fine. It's funny you say eat that frog. I was doing a bunch of cleaning yesterday because we're still getting kind of settled in here and I found my notes from reading the book Eat That Frog. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, anyways, it's it's a it's a it's a good and short book. I recommend it. I don't always live by it, but it's something I would advocate living by. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, yeah. <laughs> but some days it's some days it's hard to start with the, the the biggest thing first. Sometimes I really need to do like the slow, the gradual incline of starting with easy tasks. So, depends on my mentality that day. 100%. Um Yeah, so from my side, I feel like this week has felt extremely productive. Um, I don't necessarily do very well with change. So I had transitioned into a new job and I was getting used to that. And then it was time to do that new job from home. And so transitioning into that. So I've been like pretty high anxiety for the past, you know, little while. Um, but I feel like last week was really kind of just feeling like I'm settling in and I'm, I'm working with a lot of new people, but I've found that it's been a lot less tricky than I thought it would be. Um, getting to know new squads and working with them and then being super eager for help. Um, I think I always get nervous when I work with new people, if they actually want the help that I'm bringing to them. But so far in terms of who I've worked with in the organization, it's all help that they very much requested. So it makes it very easy to work alongside individuals. Um, So work's been really good. It's been super, super busy, which has been great because it makes the days go by quite quickly. I'm probably working a little bit more than I should, but I'm really enjoying it. So um, yeah, that's been like really great. Uh, In the last week, I also, we have this kind of internal Slack channel. This is going to sound lame, so just forgive me. And it's called like Hotline Atlassian. So it's basically anyone from the whole company can come ask for help with Jira or Confluence, which for those people who might not know what it is, Jira is like a a project management tool. ticket tracking projects, all that kind of stuff. And Confluence is more of like an internal content management tool um, where you might keep like internal documentation and things like that. Um, But the system is quite a behemoth and there's a lot of configuration complexity to it. Um, And so anyways, I love configuring Jira 
specifically. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I like configuring tools and, and making them work to help people. And I just always get a lot of joy out of it. And it's, it's a little bit of a problem solving journey in and of itself because Atlassian's always changing things to make it a little more tricky for you. So, um, anyways, I've super, super enjoyed that. And, and I've done some projects in the past outside of work that are specifically tied to helping people set up Jira and their workflows and onboarding people. And so I've been thinking a lot about that. And if I want to maybe dedicate some more time outside of work, helping other people get that set up in a, in a consulting capacity, I feel like it's like, an area that often people don't want to spend a lot of internal time and expertise figuring out unless they have a person who's passionate about it. So I've been thinking a little bit about that. Um, I knew you'd find your way into that at the Ecobee world. Like I, you know, I remember you, yeah, were mentioning when you got hired, like that wasn't really what you'd be doing so much, but like it for me in my head, it was just a matter of time because like you're a Jira pro. So there's no keeping you out of there. (laughs) It's supposed to be one week shifts and then I transferred to someone else. But I, I, I basically just, I don't know why like, I was like, give you know me what? Shift. <laughs> I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it next week too, because I'm just having so much fun. It's also a really, really great way to meet people throughout the organization and solve new problems that I've never solved before. You know, someone will just come to me with like, I always miss my email notifications. How can I get my notifications to come to me through Slackbot? And then, you know, I can learn new things too. And I feel like I've built up such a toolbox of all of these interesting um, non-obvious things that you can do in Jira to help um, with workflows and work management. And so in a twofold thing, I'd love to help people directly with it. But I was thinking like, I should really just start writing small articles on, or, or how to's on all of these different things that I do, because I always look them up and the quality of the articles that I find are not necessarily ever always good enough to just use one article or like have a really good walkthrough. I often have to go three or four or five different places to really get to like a, a how to answer, which I think is normal, but I feel like there's, there's a space there to create some more high quality content. I think um, I've been thinking the, the same thing and yeah, there, there is, I'll, I'll flag first an interesting challenge is like these things are just a snapshot in time. So you write that article and then you either have to keep it up or yes. it can get out of date because like when you're plugging several different pieces of software together and the UI changes, people start coming and revisiting and it's like, ah, this isn't relevant anymore. And so you really have to keep an eye on it. You're almost like starting an open source project or you're just letting this thing, yeah, just live as it was and just like make sure to note the date there. Um, yeah, I've been thinking that as well. Just when I was setting up this email um, kind of pop-up thing, it was so many different resources I was going to and like all the stuff that I, I was like, there's not really a great resource on, on this and I should probably write about it. Um, but I like yeah, the I, I like the note that it. you just mentioned on like open source. What if there was a way to easily enable people to comment on sections of an article to alert you that it's out of date? I think that could be interesting. And there's another blog. I think it's the ThoughtWorks blog. ThoughtWorks is like a I guess it's a software consulting company. And if you since they're such a large company, often when you're looking up different problems or things in the consulting space, their articles will come up. And generally any articles they've posted before a certain date, they will like alert you basically, you know, this article was published, blah, blah, blah. It's likely out of date. You know, it's just interesting because it at least gives you some context that it might not still be their recommendation. It might not still be the way that they're doing it. Um, But I found those types of notices interesting at minimum. 
Yeah. And then just another thing on like getting into content publishing, which I haven't done a ton of, but like one way to make your, you know, one way to make content that lasts is to go like a level above and like more of a high level overview and you're not getting too much into the technical details but it becomes a whole other type of writing maybe you're writing more about concepts and actually thoughtworks has a ton of posts uh or like the people at thoughtworks like martin fowler and whatnot will write these posts that are more conceptual and they last the test of time of like 20 years because it's more Mm -hmm. about methodologies than it is about uh, exact implementations. And so that's why you don't see like code necessarily written in them or like screenshots of what you're doing. It's more of a network diagram or something that is like more vague. And so I think that's a good approach if you can, if you can, kind of capture some of these and like take a step back and say like, okay, but really what am I getting at here? Uh, aside from the implementation, it's like, oh, well, what is, what is the process you're trying to drive home? And that might be an interesting way to come at it in a way that doesn't require revisiting it all the time. Yeah, I think I think that's a super interesting point. And it's, it's one of those, I don't know, I think it's something that maybe a lot of people suffer from where we feel like we don't have a lot of insightful things to say or write down that other people would find useful. But then through your day-to-day of helping people or building things, you realize that we all have these like unique subsets of knowledge that not everyone else has. And and somebody, it might be like their day one on Jira. Well, like probably anything that you write might be helpful. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing to ponder. I know um, for me, <clears throat> I don't really like... I always struggle to do the writing part and and this podcast has been actually coming quite naturally to just like you know be the easiest way of like I put it in bullet points in my you know in my uh, note taking app and then I can just talk about them uh, and not have to worry about formulating all the the whole structure there and like it might even just be a good first step is like hey maybe you know if you're interested we can do like a uh you write down the bullet points and we talk through some of those main points on the podcast one of these weeks. And then, you know, if you're feeling good about that, then that becomes the format or the structure for a blog post and, or it becomes the structure for like a set of tweets. Like uh, a lot of when you see people who are like prolific online writers or in terms of content, they're actually reusing a lot of the same content that they used initially for like a set of tweets and then it becomes a blog post and then it becomes a conference talk and then they give that talk as a workshop and and so it's really just like kind of leveling it up as they go uh, instead of just like making different things for so many different places yeah i think that's that's actually a really good point and and even just the thought about doing things as a series of of tweets i think yeah it's like a really good starting point and i've seen you do some some of that as well yeah i've been trying to um just like if anything, if you start seeing patterns there, we're like, oh, this actually gets some attention, then you can assume that it's safe that people might want to hear more about it. And then you should write further about it or share more resources on it. So, Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, so the other, I mean, an- another outside work thing, but it's not that interesting. I'm just closing up some documentation for uh, a Jira automation project that I've been working on for a long while now, but there's just some things I've missed. And so trying to get that together. And then the final thing, which is a little bit more interesting is that, so I think I mentioned last week, but I, I started reading this book called choose and it has a lot to do with um, choosing appropriate markets for, for, for building businesses. in. Mm-hmm. I, I went into the book thinking that it would be a little bit more 
theoretical, but it's a little bit more of a how-to guide, which is fine. And it's kind of besides the point, but the book focuses on um, education based products. So like guides and books and websites and things like that, which is an area that I've never really thought about before. And, and I think specifically because I've never thought that I have like a, a skill or an interest or a topic that I would want to convey knowledge on. Um, and you'll have to forgive me because the next section that I'm going to discuss is going to be vague, but it has to be. <laughs> so <clears throat> There is a topic that came to mind where I realized, you know, I've always been super interested in this. I spend a lot of time researching it. I spend a lot of time discussing it. And I happen to have a a close group of three other individuals who we spend a lot of time talking about this topic and, and digging into it and researching and discussing and sharing articles. And we all, I also felt like the market out there for the education that's available is actually not that great. And so I, reached out to my friends with this kind of initial idea of, Hey, we're all interested in this. I think this is a huge gap. I think we would all at minimum enjoy doing a project like this, a website like this, a blog, a how to whatever it is. Um, and we had like an initial brainstorm session on Friday and it was, it was awesome. Everyone's super excited about it. And I think we're very much in like the research and figuring out initial feasibility in terms of whether there's a good gap in the market for this right now or not. Um, the reason I'm being so vague about it is it's not illegal. I promise. Um, (laughs) but it's just, um, based on the topic that it is, most people involved have decided that they would like to do it in in an anonymous fashion. Um, and so therefore I, I don't know how helpful this can be for discussion on the podcast, but I'm very excited about it. And I am going to try to figure out how I can speak about progress on that in a non-frustrating way where I can't actually dig into what the the subject matter is. So <laughs> yeah. that is, that is tricky. Um, and it's slightly unfortunate because I think it's going to be a very interesting journey, even the initial steps. Um, I yeah, think and, and we'll there see. is a way to pull out, you know, stuff that is not so, um, I don't know there's going to be a way to pull out things that are, um, not so specific to what you're, um, market is or what you've chosen that you can kind of take some learnings from i'm sure like i could have replaced beer in all that conversation with anything Cats. else and it would have had the same effect with all the you know email marketing stuff that i've learned over the past week so exactly so yeah i'm gonna spend because this all just kind of came to an initial starting point on friday i haven't done a good job of thinking about how to articulate but uh, i think you make a good point and i um as we continue to meet and flesh out ideas and take next steps um I think it can still be super interesting to discuss um, all the things that go into it because it is very, what we are hoping to do is very much something that could be applied to any subject matter. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's exciting. It's nice to have something outside of work to spend a little bit of time on as well. Um, That's more of a a project based something. So it's cool that you uh, have friends to work on, on the project with as well, because yeah, definitely makes a difference when you can like share and brainstorm and those types of things. Uh, I've noticed already that uh, is very helpful and just like getting to work with other people on things gets you more excited about it. So yeah, totally. And it, it will be interesting because I think I pitched it to three other people thinking that some people would not be interested and it was the opposite. Everybody was very much like wanted to dig into it immediately and and be a part of it and had so many ideas and thoughts and we're all very different. Um, we come from different backgrounds and different experiences. And so it's, it's really good to have kind of 
all of those different perspectives on the topic itself. Um, so yeah, I think uh, it should be interesting trying to manage a, a group of four of us as well. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much the, the high level initial update is that I am working with a group of individuals to start figuring out um, an education based business idea. I love it. Keep it vague. Keep it interesting <laughs> for us. We'll be on the edge of our seats <laughs> trying but I to just, figure it I, out. Yeah, <laughs> I do just really want to preface that it's not illegal in case anyone from my work realm is listening. I am. I am all good. <laughs> We're all good. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm excited for you to like, I don't know, start playing around with that. If you need any help or on just like bouncing ideas around, I'm always here. So yeah, for sure. Um, I think that covers the bulk of the bulk of my work updates. I don't have any big life updates. I, I know Miguel, one of our Miguel, Marcel, Marcel, one of our listeners, he was, um, showing off his barista skills after we'd been like speaking about coffee a few episodes ago and <laughs> yeah. not everyone can see, but I would like to show off in camera that I have also been working on my barista skills and wow. I've been heating up milk and frothing milk and making all these lattes. And so that's been an exciting thing during my work days. That's great. We're going to become a coffee distributor here. Awesome. Incredible. Coffeefinder.ca. <laughs> I've thought about <laughs> Make it. Make it happen, Cam. Make it happen. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we will see everyone next week. And um, where can people find the show notes and uh, stuff? Yeah. So you can find us on workpalspodcast.com or on Twitter at workpals. Catch you later. Bye.